Professor Philip Bagshaw, along with his wife, Dame Sue Bagshaw, and a dozen or so other leading health academics and clinicians, have penned an open letter to a group of self-identified prosperous Kiwis seeking their support for one key action they believe could turn our ailing health system around and make genuine improvements to the health of all people in Aotearoa. And Professor Philip Bagshaw joins me now. Hi, Philip. Hey, good afternoon. Yeah, so this takes a bit of getting our heads around. It's a letter from you to another group of Kiwis. And can you tell us how this letter came about? Well, the health system's in collapse, Jesse, and, uh, you know, something needs to be done. Basically, we know that there are hundreds of thousands of people who are unable to get the sort of hospital care that they need. And no one really is uh, assessing the size of the problem or what services, what health services in particular are inadequate. So what what we're proposing is that we copy a method that's commonly used in Europe uh, and North America and some Scandinavian countries of population sampling um, that would tell us what we need to know. We did actually, in fact, try this in a pilot study in 2016 and show that the methods used in Europe work perfectly well here. Um, We've been trying since then to get the Ministry of Health to do it here but in one way or another, they've managed to block us from doing, from doing that. So we're now appealing to the rich list who said they wanted to help the ailing health system to fund a study of our own. What do you want to find out with this research? Well, what we know is that there are many people these days who, um, you know, back in the good old days, if you went to the, your GP and your GP thought you needed care, they'd refer you on to a hospital and the hospital would see you. And if the specialist and you thought you needed it, then you'd get put on a waiting list. Well, these days, it doesn't work that way. For many things, uh, you don't uh, even get seen at the hospital. The GP will just get told, oh, no, we're not doing those anymore. Or, uh, you know, it's the patient is referred back for GP-managed care. So there are a whole group of people who have this unmet need who are not recorded anywhere. So no one knows the size of that problem and what particular services are not being uh, supplied in an in, in, in adequate way. I must admit, I, I would have thought the system works the same way you just described that it used to work. I wasn't aware there'd been that big a change. Why did it change? Just it a lack changed. of resources? Well, it changed back in 1998 with a thing called the National Waiting Time Project, where they decided that they couldn't continue to provide free access to everyone, so that they would um, not uh, require district health boards to keep a list of those people that they weren't able to see and treat. And they haven't been doing that since then. Um, it's been um, uh, a problem ever since that uh, a lot of the unmet need is just not recorded. For example, at the charity hospital every year, you see, we see thousands of these people who've been turned away um, and uh, unable to uh, pay for private care. What sorts of treatment gets turned away from the hospital? 
Well, it varies year on year. It's very interesting. But um, things like hernias, cataracts, um, dental things, many, of course, dental things, a lot of women's health, um, quite a lot of counseling and uh, some medical, uh, some mental health type issues. So many, many things actually across the board are regularly not done and everybody that is seen to need it. Must be a nasty shock for people who thought they could rely on our health system to take care of them if something goes wrong and they find out that actually the hospital's not interested in seeing them. Yeah, well, um, I mean, I've seen thousands of these people and I can tell you there's two sorts of reaction, really. Younger people tend to get cross about it and say, you know, this is not good. Elderly people tend to um, respond with a sort of feeling of... uh, well, we've paid into this all our lives uh, and we never really used it and now suddenly we have this need and it's not there. I mean, they feel abandoned to some extent. So now that we understand that, can you explain again the information that you're looking for and also why it would be useful? Um, Well, um, clearly there is a big gap between what is provided and what's needed. And those of us who work in the area realize that gap is getting wider and wider. And we are very concerned that the gap will become so wide that at some point, even with the best will in the world, we won't be able to uh, make up that deficiency. So what we're wanting to do is this is done routinely in Europe and North America. The population is, is surveyed by experts and those people work out how many people there are with a certain sort of need that's unmet. And then the government can know and the health planners can know and indeed the public can know uh, what the size of this problem is and what ought to be done in order to fill the gap. So the cynical view here would be that the government doesn't want to find out the level of need because if you know the level of need, then you have some obligation to do something about it. Uh, Well, that would be one interpretation. But in fact, I can tell you this, uh, because we've been working on this since 2016. Um, We've approached the government every time, every government since then. And two of the ministers of health um, were adamant that this should happen. And they went to the ministry and they told the Ministry of Health to do this. And in one way or another, the ministry has either blocked it or done it in such a way as to be uh, useless. So if there is a a systemic block, it it seems to be at the level of the administration rather than actually at the level of government. Why? Well, I, I think it's a basic principle in ministerial circles that you don't record information that you don't want to know. People will be pretty angry to hear that. Well, I, I'm, I've been angry about it for years, uh, Jesse. There is something called the annual New Zealand Health Survey. That sounds like it's in the right sort of zone for what you're looking for here. It is, yes. We've been trying to get these questions into the New Zealand Health It's called the New Zealand Health Survey. It's done annually, and it always records an unmet need for like primary care, that's general practice and so on like that. It has never recorded unmet need for hospital-level care. That is the very issue itself. That is to the heart of the whole matter. And we wanted these, these standard techniques 
uh, used elsewhere around the world to be introduced to the New Zealand Health Survey. This would save anybody having to do it. It would just be done routinely. And not only would it tell the public how bad the problem is, but if you were a health planner, you could know where there were services that needed more resources, or you could follow any change in policy that you made to see whether it was having an advantageous effect or not. However, in spite of our endless entreaties, I'm afraid they've refused to do it. So you've given up on Plan A? Uh, we, yeah, we've completely given up on that. We've realised that we've got to do this uh, ourselves. We've got an expert panel from around the whole country doing this. And we just now need the money to do it. It would cost us about $1.3 million, And we think if the rich list who want to give out serious money to uh, improve things, this would be the first step on on the road to uh, improving the health system. Yeah, you're calling them the rich list. That's something slightly different. But this is a you're referring to a group of wealthy individuals who signed a letter some months ago saying that we want to pay more tax. Is that the same people? That's it. Yes. Yeah. There are, there, are, there are nearly a hundred of them. I think it was about May, and they appeared in all the media saying that they wanted to uh, um, help, and we think this is a serious way that they can. Mm. You think a million dollars spent here would be a pretty um, would be of more value than a million dollars spent in any other area, particular area of health? Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. No. This would show you where the problems are, uh, and they wouldn't be it w- they wouldn't be hidden anymore. You know, these people. Uh, are sort of non-people. They're not recorded anywhere, uh, and they should be. Um, and if we, if they were, then we'd know. We'd know, for example, that uh, colonoscopy services are completely inadequate around the country. I can tell you that because we have to do masses of that at the charity hospital. Um, I can tell you that cataract services are are inadequate. I mean. Many services are inadequate, but but we need actual numbers to do proper planning. And then, presumably, you would need the government to commit to doing something about it. Yep. That's part two. Yeah, uh, that's right. I mean, this is you can see why not everybody wants this information out there. But this inf- this is information that should be in the public domain. Would you it just, is in many other countries. $1.3 million would allow you to do it once, but, yeah, but well, ideally you'd do this annually, right? Uh, well, uh, ideally you would. This would be initially would be a, a general plan of the whole uh, level of unmet need. Um, but then uh, annually you would have targeted questions in the New Zealand Health Survey into those areas then where you know then that there are deficiencies. Uh, so that you wouldn't have to look across the whole board mm. every time. Um, you've mentioned the charity hospital a couple of times. We have uh, covered on our show before, but for people who haven't come across it before, what is it and where does it fit into our health system? Uh, well, there are now several charity hospitals, of course, uh, but we started the charity hospital in Canterbury um, in 2004. Um, and from 2007 on, it has treated... Uh, people who've been turned away from the health system and who cannot afford to pay. It will do. It only does day surgery. It can't keep people in overnight. But we do thousands of cases uh, um, uh, that, of people who would not otherwise get treated. In an ideal health system, you wouldn't exist. 
uh, it would be the happiest day of my life if I could put a sign outside saying no longer needed. Um, What's the plan with this letter then that you've signed, various of you have signed? Who does it go to and and what sort of response are you anticipating? Well, we've sent out the the open letter. Now we're going to send around a... uh, We've got an information pack that contains a lot more information, uh, together with a lot of articles about how this is done and, uh, and what you know what the implications of it all will be. That we will try to post those to as many of the rich list as we can, um, and to anybody else who is interested. And anyone who gets in in contact with me, I'm happy to post it to them as well. Um, and we're hopeful. Um, I'm crikey, who who knows? Um, there's a risk, but uh, life's a risk, and I think this is a risk worth taking. Thanks so much for your time today. Good luck. Thank you. And that's Professor Philip Bagshaw, surgeon, academic researcher, philanthropist. He's uh, one of about a dozen or so signing this open letter to some prosperous Kiwis asking for some help uh, with some research that would substantially improve our situation with the health system here in New Zealand.